Welcome back, dear listener. Hi, I'm Mia, your host. And in this episode of Love Modern's new podcast series, Dateable, we're going to explore a second reason Mr. Fitzwilliam Darcy, the leading man in Jane Austen's 19th century novel, Pride and Prejudice, is or is not dateable in real life. If you have not already, be sure to listen to our first episode on Mr. Darcy so you'll be fully up to speed on where we left off. For early access to new episodes and for exclusive access to premium episodes, become a premium subscriber today. You can easily do so via the links in this episode's description or by visiting lovemodern.com. So let's dive in, shall we? Let's explore a second reason Mr. Fitzwilliam Darcy is, or is not, dateable in real life. Be forewarned, though, there are spoilers ahead. Reason number two. He is lazy and entitled. After Fitzwilliam's first encounter with Lizzie, lo and behold, he starts taking a romantic interest in her. He thinks this is a new and unwelcome sensation, but seeing how before he had ever spoken to or been formally introduced to Lizzie, Fitzwilliam's first abominable instinct was to neg her with insults. He clearly was attracted to her the moment he first laid eyes on her. After the ball, Fitzwilliam finds himself drawn to Lizzie more and more. He does not want to like her, he tells himself, but he just can't help it. As Austin writes in Chapter 6, Occupied in observing Mr. Bingley's attention to her sister, Elizabeth was far from suspecting that she was herself becoming an object of some interest in the eyes of his friend. Mr. Darcy had at first scarcely allowed her to be pretty. He had looked at her without admiration at the ball. And when they next met, he looked at her only to criticise but no sooner had he made it clear to himself and his friends that Lizzie had hardly a good feature in her face than he began to find. It was rendered uncommonly intelligent by the beautiful expression of her dark eyes. Though he had detected, with a critical eye, more than one failure of perfect symmetry in her form, he was forced to acknowledge her figure, to be light and pleasing. And in spite of his asserting that her manners were not those of the fashionable world, he was caught by their easy playfulness. Of this, she was perfectly unaware. To her, he was only the man who made himself agreeable, nowhere, and who had not thought her handsome enough to dance with. So days later, at another social gathering, Fitzwilliam starts inserting himself into Lizzie's conversations. Not with words or charm, mind you. Nope, he just moves into her circle of conversation while she is chatting with another, and then he stands there, like a statue, saying nothing at all. I mean, come on, how weird is that? Imagine if one day someone calls you unattractive and undesirable in your presence, then, days later, they start joining in on your conversations, not with words, but just standing there, silently, with a holier-than-thou expression on their face making zero effort to verbally engage in the conversation. Honestly, dear listener, you would think they were a zombie or a really bad spy. 
or worse, a serial killer. Lizzie definitely notices Fitzwilliam's odd and awkward behavior. Her mind doesn't leap to thinking he's a serial killer, though. Instead, she thinks he's looking for more reasons to judge her and insult her. Now, in those days, ladies and gents were both socially expected to be engaging conversationalists. They were all raised and trained on the art of conversation. Failure to be a good conversationalist was deemed to be a reflection of one's lack of intelligence, character, and social grace. As 19th century etiquette expert John Young writes, The character of a person is revealed by his conversation as much as by any one quality he possesses. The company of a person who is able to talk well on a variety of subjects is much sought after. To be able to converse well is an attainment which should be cultivated by every intelligent man and woman. Given his wealth and upbringing, Fitzwilliam knows exactly what he ought to do and how he ought to behave. Yet because he is lazy and entitled, he chooses not to be charming or a good conversationalist or just plain normal and likable. Not around this lot, at least. If Fitzwilliam were in the company of those he considered to be in or above his social rank, if he were standing next to a princess or an earl, he knows he would have to be pleasant and conversational because such rude behavior would get him socially ostracized. And in high society, his actions would reflect negatively on his entire family. Around Lizzie, her family, her friends and neighbors, however, and even around his own friend, Charles Bingley, who is half as wealthy as he and who is currently a member of the professional class or middle class, Fitzwilliam chooses to be aloof, condescending, and hypercritical to everyone he deems socially inferior to him, including the lady he finds himself increasingly attracted to. Later that night, when the host of the party tries to get Lizzie and Fitzwilliam to dance together, this time around, Fitzwilliam does not object. He is silently keen to dance with her. Lizzie, however, is 100% uninterested. And no, she is not playing hard to get. She politely and emphatically declines to dance with him. As well, she should. Why waste your time and energy dancing with someone who called you unattractive and undesirable in your presence. Dear listener, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Before we continue, I must tell you about a fun and unique way you can share and express your love to someone who is near and dear to your heart. Request and reserve an on-air lovegram today. For us to share in a future Love Modern podcast episode. What's a lovegram, you ask? Well, it goes a little something like this. Today we're sharing a lovegram from Natalie in Seattle, Washington. Happy anniversary to my beautiful husband, Daniel. I love you a million times more today than I did on our wedding day. Thanks for being my rock, my best friend. 
and the love of my life. A love gram is a beautiful, timeless, and global way to show your love and appreciation for someone special in your life, or to honor a loved one who has passed, or to celebrate a lovely milestone like an engagement, a birthday, a wedding anniversary, or a new bundle of joy. You can even reserve a love gram for yourself, because here at Love Modern, we love love, including the most important love of all, self-love. Love grams can be recorded in your own voice, or we can professionally record it for you. And if you're thinking, oh no, I am not a writer, fear not, you can leave the poetic prose to us to write as well. To request and reserve a love gram, visit lovemodern.com today. Now, chapters later, at another ball, Fitzwilliam takes Lizzie quite by surprise by verbally asking her to dance with him. Without thinking, she says yes, then instantly regrets it. But she keeps her word and joins him on the dance floor, a task that is awkward from the very start due to Fitzwilliam's continued silence and laziness. As Austin writes in chapter 18... They stood for some time without speaking a word. Lizzie began to imagine that their silence was to last through the two dances. At first, she was resolved not to break it. Till, suddenly fancying that it would be the greater punishment to her partner to oblige him to talk, she made some slight observation on the dance. He replied, and was again silent. After a pause of some minutes, she addressed him a second time. It is your turn to say something now, Mr Darcy. I talked about the dance and you ought to make some kind of remark on the size of the room or the number of couples. One must speak a little, you know. It would look odd to be entirely silent for half an hour together. Mr. Fitzwilliam Darcy is a grown man. Not only that, but he is eight years older than Lizzie. He knows better. He knows quite well how he ought to conduct himself. Lizzie does not and should not have to school a grown and educated man from a posh family on how to act in a social setting. In those days, it was lazy and rude to ask a lady to dance and then proceed to say nothing to her at all during the dance for 30 minutes straight. Because Fitzwilliam requested her company, the onus is on him to engage her in conversation and to ensure that she is having a pleasant time. Now, the chief purpose of a ball or dinner party, or most social events in that day and age, was to give bachelors and bachelorettes a chance to meet one another, dance together, and check each other out, all under the watchful eyes of their parents and chaperones. If a gentleman was interested in a lady romantically, he was socially expected to express his interest by first requesting an invitation from her parents to call on her at home. 
during which he might bring her flowers or candy or a book of poetry. Then sit and converse with her for a short while. During the calling phase, the bachelor's objective was to get to know the lady better, to see if they liked each other's company outside of a ballroom or social gathering, and if they had common interests. The calling phase served two purposes. First, it let the lady and her parents know that the gentleman was interested in potentially marrying her. And second, if the parents accepted his invitation to call on their daughter, it let him know that the parents felt he was suitable enough to marry her. It was basically a pre-engagement green light. Now, if the calling phase went well, then he would take things to the next level. He would formally court the lady by taking her out on dates, publicly. During the courtship phase, there was an unwritten understanding that both parties were courting for marriage. John Young writes that the core purpose of courtship was for a gentleman to gain a lady's affections and admiration so that when he proposed, she would happily say yes. As soon as a young gentleman neglects all others to devote himself to a single lady, he gives that lady reason to suppose that he is particularly attracted to her. A gentleman who does not contemplate matrimony should not pay too exclusive attention to any one lady. A man does not like to be refused when he makes a proposal, and no man of tact will risk a refusal. It's very injudicious, not to say presumptuous, for a gentleman to make a proposal to a young lady on too brief an acquaintance. A lady who would accept a gentleman at first sight can hardly possess the discretion needed to make a good wife. Love alone is a very uncertain foundation on which to base a marriage. There should be thorough acquaintance and a certain knowledge of harmony of tastes and temperaments before matrimony is ventured upon. In those days, every gentleman was expected to marry. Whether you were straight or not, whether you wanted kids or not, high society did not care. You were expected to marry, be fruitful, and multiply. And you were expected to stay married till death do you part. Now, if you wanted the best wife, you had to compete against other suitors to win her affection. Even more so if you wanted a genuine woman who would love you for you and not your fortune or your social status and connections. Following the rules of courtship was a socially acceptable playbook for all bachelors. As such, the rules of courtship were known to every lady and every gentleman in high society, including Mr. Fitzwilliam Darcy. If you were interested in a lady romantically, and if you wanted her to say yes without hesitation to your marriage proposal, you were wise to court her. Now, I ask you, Mr. Darcy, do you do any of this? Do you request an invitation from her parents to call on Lizzie at home? No, I do not. Do you give her flowers or candy or poetry? No, I, I do not. Do you ask her out on a date? 
No. Fitzwilliam makes zero effort to formally court Lizzie or win her affections. Instead, in Chapter 34, he does this, as illustrated in the 1995 TV miniseries Pride and Prejudice. In vain I have struggled. It will not do. My feelings will not be repressed. You must allow me to tell you how ardently I admire and love you. In declaring myself thus, I am fully aware that I will be going expressly against the wishes of my family, my friends, and I hardly need add my own better judgment. The relative situation of our families is such that any alliance between us must be regarded as a highly reprehensible connection. Indeed, as a rational man, I cannot but regard it as such myself, but it cannot be helped. Almost from the earliest moments of our acquaintance, I have come to feel for you a passionate admiration and regard which, despite all my struggles, has overcome every rational objection, and I beg you most fervently to relieve my suffering and consent to be my wife. That, dear listener, has got to be one of, if not the worst, proposals, not just in literature, but in all of human history. Who in their right mind insults a woman and her family while asking her to marry him? Who does that? I'll tell you who. A lazy, entitled man-child. This is exactly the sort of thing a person lacking in manners and overflowing with conceit and rudeness would do. Fitzwilliam's behavior is akin to playing the classic video game Super Mario Brothers and using a cheat code to skip to the epic final battle with Bowser. Without doing any of the hard work of jumping on magic mushrooms or leaping over flying fish or pouring down green drainage pipes to battle fire-breathing turtle dragons in their underground lair. All of which better prepare you to beat Bowser at the end of your heroic mission to rescue Princess Peach. Or it's akin to going to your college graduation and expecting to walk across the stage to receive your degree, even though you have attended no classes, you have done no homework, and you have passed zero tests. Fitzwilliam wants to skip to love and marriage without doing any of the emotional and romantic work of calling, courting, and winning Lizzie's affections. He wants her love and devotion while putting forth very little effort on his part. He wants love with a cheat code. But that does not work in the real world. It doesn't even work in Jane Austen's fictional world. Because you cannot cheat code your way to true love. In the novel, ever since the moment Fitzwilliam first negged her, Lizzie has shown zero romantic interest in him. And why would she? He's rude, disrespectful, a killjoy to be around, and his personality is a dumpster fire. Whenever he's around her, Lizzie greets or tolerates him with cold politeness, sarcasm, and indifference. Lizzie has given Fitzwilliam zero indication that she has any warm feelings for him whatsoever. But he proposes to her anyway. Because, well, he isn't actually thinking about her or her feelings. 
he is focused solely on his feelings, on what he wants. Now, here's the kicker. Despite making no formal effort to court her, Fitzwilliam later admits in the novel that he fully expected her to say yes to his tone-deaf proposal. So I ask you, Mr. Fitzwilliam Darcy, how on earth could you be so audaciously cocky that Lizzie would say yes? Well, because I am wealthy, leagues wealthier than her father, and my family is higher on the social totem pole, marrying me would be a step up for her and her family. She, no doubt, will be grateful that I am willing to look past her family's inferiority and her lack of dowry. She will be honored to marry someone as rich and distinguished as me, and surely she will cherish the fact that I love her enough to look past her shortcomings to offer her my hand and my heart in marriage. Suffice it to say, dear listener, Fitzwilliam Darcy's sense of entitlement is mind-blowing, but not surprising, because lazy people tend to be incredibly, exceedingly entitled. They want all of the glory, they want all of the reward, but they do not want to work for it. They can't be bothered to put forth much of an effort. And this is why a lazy, entitled person is undateable. They do not have what it takes to nurture, blossom, and sustain a true love relationship. Their behavior and mindset is a massive red flag, which we cover in depth in our Ready to Love Masterclass series for daters and couples who want to find and fall in true love. Available exclusively on lovemodern.com. You can listen to the first lesson for free right now on our website. So, how does Lizzie respond to such a demeaning marriage proposal from this insufferable man-child she cannot stand? Well, in the novel, her response is magnifique, which is brought to life in both the 1995 and the 2005 film adaptations of Pride and Prejudice, both of which showcase different verbal zingers taken almost word for word from the novel. In the 1995 film, she says, I have never desired your good opinion, and you have certainly bestowed it most unwillingly. I might wonder why, with so little effort at civility, I am rejected. And I might wonder why, with so evident a desire to offend and insult me, you chose to tell me that you liked me against your will, against your reason, and even against your character. Was this not some excuse for incivility if I was uncivil? I have every reason in the world to think ill of you. Meanwhile, in the 2005 film, for extra dramatic effect, the proposal scene takes place on a veranda outdoors during a thunderstorm. And Lizzie's rejection is delivered with much more youthful passion and flair. Could you expect me to rejoice in the inferiority of your circumstances? And those are the words of a gentleman. From the first moment I met you, your arrogance and conceit, your selfish disdain for the feelings of others made me realise that you were the last man in the world I could ever be prevailed upon to marry. So, dear listener, that concludes this episode of our new 
Dateable podcast series. Tune in next week when we'll discuss a third reason Mr. Fitzwilliam Darcy is or is not dateable for a true love relationship in real life. Be sure to tap the follow button so you will be notified when the next episode debuts. Or you can unlock and enjoy early access to listen to episode three right now by joining our podcast family as a premium subscriber. You can easily do so via the links in this episode's description or by visiting lovemodern.com, where you can also request and reserve a lovegram for us to share in a future episode. Till next time, I wish you a beautiful day, a wonderful week, and a more loving and lovable life.